to the morning show with Ryan and Taylor. It is December 27th, just after Christmas here in Adelaide. How are you, Ryan? How was your Christmas? It, it was all right. It was pretty uh, uneventful, right, given, given the current climate. Uh, but we did have right. my sister visit here from Pittsburgh. Uh, her intention is to stay... Uh, at in New Jersey in our house um, in a kind of quasi quarantine until uh, January second, but um, yeah, it's fine. It, there, we uh, didn't see too many people up until today when uh, a, a uh, errand of sorts, meaning to uh, our immediate unit, meaning to drop off. I just drop off gifts at certain relatives place and if we were entering staying masked and uh distant from them maybe making small chat you know chit chat um if that happened that yeah we were going to stick to that that uh was broken pretty quickly by our folks uh when they accepted the invitation to uh eat lunch right and so that weird pickle of like well how do you like do the thing that doesn't you know insult the hosts that but um yeah uh but also want to stay within those guidelines and i'm thinking about my sister's comfort here because uh she's traveling uh from a different place and uh has uh i mean ultimately isn't going to quarantine like isn't going to spend the next 14 days with our folks right i it doesn't really matter to me but uh as a kind of sign of respect to her wanted to really observe like hey if we could just within this very short time that we're here like just practice your standard and uh yeah and the folks failed that test pretty easily and um and then i had it's funny because i was just gonna keep quiet about it and then my aunt who served as the you know uh kind of noticed that like hey uh, i'm sorry like are you are we boring you like you know and like kind of seeing visibly our discomfort and then like i had to she forced my hand and i was like yeah we were intending not to stay and like sup and uh essentially break protocol and here we are the folks are doing that like i'm i'm and yeah it it and I think it it uh, not only did it call my folks out, but I think it humiliated my mother. And so uh, we promptly left after that. And the car ride was pretty quiet. I actually kind of um, I kind of had an outburst at my folks because uh, yeah, it's like one job, right? We only had one job, yeah. and you fucked it up. And of course now, like I mean, again, this doesn't really this this doesn't have very high stakes for me. I'm gonna stay in this house for the next. For longer than 14 days but my sister has now decided that she's going to have her meals in her room <laughs> and uh, keep her mask on and i don't know how long that'll last um or if she even wants to stay here long you know as long as she wants to but already now it's like uh that christmas has yeah. just been yeah and it, it just, i think it just tells you about the real kind of costs to to wanting to be cautious and the risks that you you i mean you want to spend time with folks and have it, yeah, be as uh, authentic and as and as warm as possible. But I don't think that can really happen if, uh, especially if there's there's a lack of um, understanding and communication as to what folks value in terms of their health and safety. And it's uh, it's 
it, I I feel bad in the sense that like I understand both folks is like wanting to like, um yeah the, the folks have different the folk both parties have uh, different standards as to how they want to be safe and you know and and celebrate but I don't know it's uh it's unfortunate. <laughs> It's uh, It seems like a little microcosm of the country and how the country is trying to handle things. And there's a lot of like, we'll do this, but, you know, X million right. Americans are traveling for holidays and, you know, we should wear masks, we should social distance, yeah. but it really only works if you actually do it kind of all the time and everybody always exactly. does it. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's fine. That's um we'll see how long it you know maybe it blows over maybe it doesn't um but I yeah it's it's what it is. So that's that's been my holiday so far. How about you? Yeah. Well that that echoes sort of a similar much smaller uh event in my family but I was playing trivia with my family uh via zoom okay uh, and we were including my grandmother who's in florida mm. and my family has my brother flew from california into the family uh house in pennsylvania okay and so everybody's wearing masks all the time mm-hmm. uh indoors which is what you're supposed to do right. um but on the zoom call my grandma asked my brother to remove his mask so that she could hear him and it was just like and he had to like play it off like like she was joking, but she was clearly angry about it. And it just, it seems because it's also a very political thing. And then she went into a story about how some man yelled at her for standing for her standing too close to him. And mm-hmm. it was all just like, yeah, I don't know. It's all uh, a big mess. And uh, the rules are clear, but they're not clear. And who those rules are supposed to protect and why they're in place always seems to get lost. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been disappointed in my grandmother for a while. Um, I'll say that. I'll shout that from the rafters, man. I've been disappointed in her for a long time now. Um, but, you know, just another just another event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it, it's, it's not going to end anytime soon, right? Like that sense of discomfort and and feeling this weird cognitive dissonance or rather like you know this idea of you know that you even should have cognitive dissonance that you you know that it's all some sort of all or nothing principle when really it's like it's unfortunate for so many other reasons and if all of this were just like i don't know yeah i i mean it seems so clear to you and i yeah to you and i i feel like (laughs) Mm-hmm. Wear a mask, social distance, way back in March, mm-hmm. like lockdown, don't leave the state, et cetera, et cetera. And there were movements to do that. And you saw the curve go down directly as a result of these actions. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of got lax on the rules. And I, I feel like they've just started now to clamp down again, just as the holidays were rolling around, which makes people angry. And uh, it's not an easy problem to solve. It's not easy to get people to do things. Um Especially in America, where I feel like a lot of the attitude is "Don't tell me what to do," right, uh, right. regardless of your political affiliation. I yeah. have that built yeah. into me. <laughs> I think I think what's also uh, upsetting here is that, like culturally, right, we're we're expecting to you know really come together. We're like we're we're, we're actually, um, yeah, going against or or feel yeah, um, giving up. On things that are that are so ingrained in our in our culture, and I think you know, with this idea of you know coming together and and, and being, um, 
yeah, and just being doing doing things together, especially the, around this time of year, it, it's it feels especially painful to to relinquish some of that. But I I mean I want to be able to stick around long enough to come back next year, right? Like so. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Folks don't see that, and uh, I understand if they don't. That's the. But uh, I don't. I think it's the simplest thing in the world to do something like wear a mask and social distance. Uh, obviously, it's much harder if you're telling people that they can't leave their homes. It's much harder if you mm -hmm. can't leave your state, if you can't travel. That's a mm -hmm. bigger decision. But simple things like wearing a mask and social distancing, I think, are the basic essentials of functioning in society yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a lot of people aren't aren't clearing that bar. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. I... Uh... I, I don't. I think I, today I felt like the bad guy. Like I felt. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't like that. I don't. Uh, I don't like. I know, right? Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, it is what it is. So, ah, uh, yeah. That's 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 been on my plate today. So. To parlay off of the the sure. COVID conversation, which we have all the time, uh, I went to a movie theater. Uh, <sighs> I yeah. What did you see? Uh, I. I saw Tenet. Have you seen Tenet, Ryan? I'm not. Um, no, I've not. I, <laughs> and I don't have a uh, particular inclination to, yep. to watch it. I I've seen Chris Chris Nolan stuff. I yep. you know Dark Knight like forever, right? Um, yeah, great movie. Batman Batman trilogy, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but something about this film. Uh, maybe because, yeah, we were in a global pandemic when this finally came out and the idea, like there's the, the campaign to watch it in theaters. Somehow I, I prioritized my health and safety over watching this really cool IMAX film instead and it didn't do so well. And again, it, like, I think with the same with our Cybertrunk, Cyber, cyber twunk cyber uh punk 2070s like maybe i was just somehow more caught in the discourse around it than the actual movie itself uh but uh hearing anecdotally from other friends and just seeing how it performed and yeah i, I saw a few of the reviews non-spoilery i was like i don't know if i actually wanted to watch this but um then again i haven't been in a movie theater since like february so who knows uh i could see it like on my phone i guess right like i could i could rent it i could i could go on one of those platforms and and, and watch it but no i'm not is it what time it's a time bending robert pattinson ugh, big budget kind of thing yeah i mean you you got it your reasons for not wanting to watch it are the correct reasons. It's uh, look, I'm not known to like movies, but this was an especially bad movie. Uh, Ooh, lay it on me. Uh, yeah, Christopher Nolan was drunk. He was so drunk because it does it does not make sense, and he doesn't attempt to make sense, and he just does a lot of. Yeah, the central plot point is that there's uh, an algorithm, which is the worst use of the word algorithm that I've seen in media uh, uh, lately, that allows you to convert entropy, uh, to, to go entropy in reverse, which allows time travel. Fine. You can do one big science fiction what if, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So now you got this time travel thing, which always brings up all of the problems that time travel involves. If you go back in time, what happens when you see yourself or, mm -hmm, or whatever? You mm -hmm, kill your grandfather. Mm -hmm. The grandfather's paradox they, they talk about briefly. Um, but he doesn't really ever attempt to answer it, and he almost flagrantly goes, 
eh, doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm just doing the shooting movie. Yeah. Yeah. For the whole plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The motivations of the villain are simply that, oh, by the way, spoilers for the, the dumbest movie I've ever seen. I'm not uh, going to watch not this true. movie. I've seen, I'm, I've I'm, seen worse movies. Yeah, I am not going to watch this movie, Taylor. I feel like yeah. I did enough mental gymnastics for Inception, which I liked, right? Yeah. But then again, I, yeah. I was an 18-year-old and probably just didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought, like, okay, I've I've, 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 I've been thrown for a This loop. is like Inception 2, basically. Oh, but, boy. But less effort put into explaining how and why the dream world works. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a big mess, it's there's there's no characters it's really pretty it's a good looking movie it looks expensive uh which is no longer a compliment in my world Mm. (laughs) um lots of shots of pompeii and uh mumbai and it seems like christopher nola just wanted to have a field trip uh and uh great music great music really love the music the villain's main motivation is that he's gonna die and if he has to die he's gonna take the whole world with him again like kind of a surface level like fine but like please do something with that then um and he's just gonna destroy the world uh but you're meant to but you have no caring about any of the characters because they have no development they have no i don't I, I wrote down a couple of choice lines are they uh, because some, the are only they way just, I was going to get characters. through this movie was... I bet they're just folks who are just supposed to spew out exposition and plot. Yeah. Of course. They're not characters. They're just exposition dumps. Mm-hmm. I don't know the names of the characters. Uh, I think one is called the protagonist in a dumb David Fincher, <sighs> blink and you'll miss it sort of stupid, uh, you know, knock you on the head with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with you're watching a movie.com. Um yeah, there's just some dumb lines in here. Uh, one is, <laughs> one is like, uh, we have to save the world. Why? Because uh, he's gonna destroy it and everyone in it. And then the woman uh, says, including my son, who has no <laughs> speaking lines. So I don't care who the son is. I don't care who this woman is. I don't care who the protagonist is. None of this Ooh. matters. Tenant is a big in the story department, and I view cinema as a storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you don't, it's probably a pretty good movie. Well, yeah, I'm wondering, like, okay, you're judging this on, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're judging this as, like, okay, this, you know, an ability to, like, tell a story, and instead mm-hmm. what you're seeing is a blockbuster. It's designed to, you know, basically funnel popcorn into your mouth. It's supposed to enter, you know, provide cheap, you know, yeah, sustenance, right? Entertainment. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Christopher Nolan has been able to somehow juggle this. Right. He's done like, better. He's, he's done, done better. better. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's well, that's uh, that's disappointing. But yeah, I wasn't really keen on seeing it. Um, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to go back into a movie theater. I almost thought about seeing Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know what movie theater in New Jersey is going to is open for that but um i didn't feel like watching it on hbo max i don't even think i have hbo max um yeah but i I, yeah uh, that wasn't yeah yeah. tenant i think everybody knows is kind of bad though Mm -hmm. which is good i think uh and to see a movie there there are shots in an airport where people aren't wearing masks which is very it is probably the last movie that will have that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the last the most recent movie that'll have scenes in public spaces in america without people wearing masks do you think 
you can even watch a movie like Tenet without, you know, thinking about COVID and, and the world that it looks like today. And are you seeing it through that lens? Yeah, I think that's kind of an un. Yeah, it's kind of it came out at a bad time, yeah. obviously, um, which is not that's not that's nobody's fault. Um, well, I mean, they could have delayed it colors. over and over and over again, right? Like you know, it, maybe yeah, yeah right. It, yeah, they could have rewritten that script a couple times for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely needed an editor. Yeah, waited for some reshoots. Uh, uh-huh. uh, there's a scene where Michael Caine. Uh, speaks. He's only in one scene, but okay. the entire scene he is chewing on food, and it is driving me crazy because he's just he's eating an expensive meal and he's going, oh, I was in Batman, and I'm French with Christopher Nolan, and that's why I'm in the film." <laughs> and that's like his only scene, and it's like, what? Why was this? And that's just a MacGuffin to get to another MacGuffin. There's structure and plot holes uh, all over the place. Uh, yeah, Tenet. Thumbs down. Mm. Unsurprising thumbs down. I can I can see how like I mean it's grinding your gears, but I it's, <laughs> like it just seems like a colossal waste of money, right? Like I, I that's I, what I, yeah right like and, yeah. And, and, and if you didn't even have fun, right? Like if you didn't even mm-hmm. have like okay, like I know this is dumb, but this is this is like a particular low for dumb, right? Right. Well, what I want to see now is the John Wick films, which supposedly lean into this, okay, mm. we know we're making a dumb action film, but since we know it, yeah, since we know it, we can make it more fun. But sometimes that makes uh, all the difference, is if, you know, you, yeah. there's almost that kind of, like, glint in Keanu Reeves's eye, right, where it's like, okay, like, these are just, like, I don't know, beat up film, you know, that's you know press yeah. the x button over and over and over again right like you know you know exactly what you're getting um that's what yeah. i see when i watch taken and that's how i enjoy them it's like oh, this is just this is yeah this is silly uh yeah if you if you watch tenant as a comedy which i had to do about a quarter of the way into the movie if you just switch <laughs> mindsets it becomes a pretty biting satire of action films <laughs> Okay. Okay. So I don't know if that was the goal. That yeah. Um, I bet there's a great like there's gonna be a great fan edit that does that oh, or yeah. cuts it down and makes it make sense. <laughs> oh, how long was it? Two hours. You know, oh. it's definitely a long, maybe two and a half. I don't uh, really remember. That's lugubrious. I I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that's the other problem. It's too long. That's too long. It doesn't even like there's just padding and plot point to plot point and well okay so the film itself dud uh the i guess going to a theater experience have you been able yeah. to you know to like yeah uh, tell me about that yeah going to a the theater was cool it was like a nicer theater mm. it was a sit down like comfy chair it wasn't your box theater that every town right. has it's Didn't kind it of like a... like and you can like put your feet up and it didn't have that, okay. but it was, uh, yeah, thicker than your average chair. Uh, and you reserve your seat, which I thought was the fanciest part. Um, about 15 bucks. Uh, there's a bar. I don't know how America handles, like, I was never of drinking age when I was going to movie theaters. Mm-hmm. But there's a bar there, and you can take a drink into the, the movie, which is always cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, going to, th- it was, like, half empty anyway. One guy was wearing a mask. Our crew wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Half empty. It was fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, 
I'm not a yeah, I'm not a movie guy, so the whole <laughs> I knew I was I was going to it uh, you know, with yeah, with an exploratory mindset. Okay. 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 But um yeah, the theater is cool. It's cool. Uh, lucky duck. I mean mm-hmm. I, I I think me I mean I wouldn't be like excited to watch Tenet, but if it meant going <laughs> to a movie theater and having that like all those uh, sensory experience of popcorn and reclining and holding mm-hmm. my bladder, right? To yeah, like like those little moments. Um, yeah, I'd I'd go. Well, for that I got again. up and peed because I I thought it, my uh, bladder was worth more than the uh, the story being told. Yeah, sometimes that just yeah, it, it is what it is, and uh, yeah, kind of have to. You can always just look it up on Wikipedia, I guess. If you were if you were that desperate to know about the plot. Well, that's, I mean, this is the other fun part about consuming any media mm-hmm. is seeing what other people think about the media. And I I think this Christopher Nolan must know this because he knows that there's this whole niche industry now explaining what happens in Tenet, uh, mm. having opinions, making their own fan edits. Like part of this, if th- this could be a big brain play by Nolan is I don't really have to make a movie that makes sense. I have to put enough ideas out there for somebody else to make the canon sense of the movie, mm. which I think we saw with Inception. Uh, and he right. did a war movie in between. He did right? Dun- Dunkirk. 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 Which um, is 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 a tight, like you know, really good war movie, right? Um, yeah. I felt my sphincter just like you didn't. I mean, I, I'm. I'm visual just for folks who are visualizing, visualizing not my sphincter, but just my fists right now. It's um, it's impenetrable. The sense of tension is. We, we'll just we'll, we'll let's edit this. Out. <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna label this as explicit. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. but I, I just it's. Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it it, it 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 racks up. Um, it's even in the music where it feels like it's an actual like ticking time bomb or what have you. The um, music, Christopher Nolan's yeah. music. I assume it's probably the same guy every time. Hans Zimmer, it, uh, yeah, yeah, Hans Zimmer, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a war movie, so like lots of loud noises and you know explosions and I don't know, but yeah, it's 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 a Chris Nolan film. Like it it, it has all of this like oh it's, this is IMAX for IMAX's sake and yeah. I'm gonna use Tom Hardy and yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna use all my friends. We're gonna spend a million million dollars. Yep, everyone's gonna look good, but I I think Inception did you know to your point uh really created this strange universe with it with its own physics and its own lore. Uh, I remember consuming Inception fan fiction in the summer of 2010. I think uh, so. Yeah. He he succeeded in kind of building all of this uh world stuff and uh and it was uh entertaining it was entertaining and yet kind of like that frustrating insufferable headiness right like oh what happens yeah you know but well they yeah this whole movie is that and it's throwing it in your face Mm -hmm. and uh that's the problem shameless christopher nolan Mm -hmm. nolan if you're listening i'm just saying maybe hire hire wait did he write the dark knight no, I think his cousin. So okay, or brother, and Dunkirk yeah, yeah. was like based on historical events. Yeah. Nolan, hire a writer. Hire a writer as good as Hans Zimmer is a musician, because uh, mm-hmm. then we get some <laughs> really good movies. Uh, yeah. And props to the cinematographers. Looks very expensive. <laughs> I think there's this uh, running uh, critique about Chris Nolan that they're that they're 
there's these like gritty male driven almost like yeah too much so white male driven you know i mean and actually the protagonist well, lieutenant was a sort of way of was, was a response to that as as almost like it, a mea yeah. culpa which yeah maybe that's that's another issue too is that nolan's been in the game long enough that you kind of recognize these tropes and now have ways of like well then you know how are you really um answering for this and how are you innovating on it at all and uh it seems like he wasn't or or if he was it was like that kind of performative innovation that didn't really amount to anything well i don't think nolan's characters are characters they're just cardboard cutouts so Mm. i think the most important thing you could do would be just put a non-white guy like Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. you know uh, that's about, cause none of these stories I, I don't think are really about the characters. And I think, I think Nolan would agree with that. Um, yeah, it Unless was, yeah, huh? go on. it was a little male dominated. It kept going back and forth between there's a bit of a save the princess trope, which, and you don't care about the princess because there's no characterization of any of these characters mm-hmm. at the end. She sort of gets her revenge maybe in one timeline you know so none of it ever really feels like anything is ever of any consequence there is like yeah there's a some uncomfortable scenes with abuse uh well there's a lot of torture scenes in general but it's always a little it's always a little worse when it's a man hurting a woman i think and i i don't think i don't know maybe that's not going to be a progressive opinion in 20 years but uh i'll tell you what in 2020 watching a man kick a woman on the ground is not it's not not good cinema, even if it's meant to drive your hatred of the villain. It's low hanging fruit, eh. right? It's 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 sloppy. It's, it's yeah, it's ca- yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the dumb way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you don't have any characters. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a shame. Uh, all of the villains are always like Russian bad guys, which is a trope that's been around for forever. That mm-hmm. I'm always like, okay, yeah, all right. I don't know, and I guess I don't know what I mean. What are the other bad guy tropes is like maybe we've been through all of them i can imagine different colored bad guys for sure Sure. and uh you get your british double crosser i know that trope Mm. uh yeah i don't know Mm. yeah when i'm thinking about it um unless uh chris nolan is is working with um these intellectual properties or like actual history right when you're thinking about the characters they're they're more often than not audience surrogates right that's like you know you, you they're supposed to be blank so that you can project yeah. like your lack of knowledge about the plot and the universe and all you know and yeah. then and then you know and th- and therefore everybody can just regurgitate all these uh plot points and expositions and uh yeah they're not supposed to have a personality because yeah. you are the personality, but you're not also, you're not, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I get that. It would be hard to do. It would be hard to do a deep, cool characterization of many characters on top of these crazy sci-fi things, mm-hmm. but they're not being followed through anyway. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't I, know. I, put I, Nolan I mean, on rails. Yeah. Yeah. I, put it, put it, give him a writer. <laughs> give him a writer. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, 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 uh, still sounds, I mean, great recap. Uh, I, it, it, it confirmed all of my suspicions about the movie, yeah. but, uh, now with spoilers and, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly what you think it is. Tenet, exactly what you think exactly it is. Exactly what you think it is. <laughs>
another lighthearted media. So do you know? Do you know what Pokemon Uranium is? No, I don't. Is it? Is it? <laughs> okay. re- is it related to the existing canon of Pokemon games and media? Yes, it's related to Pokemon, but it is not canon. It is a fan game. Mm. Uh, it's a well-made fan game that Nintendo struck down the creators for, and now it is hard to acquire, which on the internet means you can get it pretty easily. Uh, I've been playing Pokemon Uranium because it's Christmas break, and it's like time to play games and have fun. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Pokemon Uranium is... Uh, it's like a stand... Or how familiar with you or with the Pokemon games? Um, like, I think I may have stopped after Pokemon 250, whatever. Gen 2. Gen 2. Um, I think I may have watched the Entei movie. Was that Pokemon 3, the movie, um, on VHS? Yeah, because they did, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like the unknowns, uh were probably the the apex of my Pokemon acumen and interest. Okay, same. That was the peak. I'm a Gen 2-er. And this game... So Pokemon went after Gen 2... After Gen 3, really. Mm -hmm. Pokemon got more and more casual. And I don't know if you know the current public opinion about the most recent Pokemon games, but they're thought of as being like pretty watered-down, pretty easy... Dumb, dumbed down RPGs for everybody slash kids, and they're the most popular media franchise in the world, bigger than Star Wars. So like, they're not wrong <laughs> in terms of dollars. Uh, but Pokemon Uranium is an attempt to get back to sort of the harder, grindier RPG or uh, roots. Where, yeah, I die a lot in Pokemon Uranium. It's like a good hard. RPG that is obviously has all the flaws of older RPGs, but it's like a fan game, so uh, you kind of forgive uh, some of the like quality of life features that are missing. But um, yeah, there's like fan-made Pokemon mixed in with the real Pokemon, and there's new type combinations. And I'm always thinking about like I'm thinking more strategically when I'm playing the game because losses are more consequential and they happen more often. It's just a good meaty Pokemon game, and it's a shame that uh, Nintendo took it down because it's like it scratches an itch that the Pokemon game creators weren't even addressing. That's a shame that uh, there's uh, there's a real need in the uh, Pokemon fan community, or I guess you know that yeah. We would call it a market opportunity in business school. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> I, I I mean. And now, remind me, is Pokemon still, like, it's its its own entity, or is it still very much tied with Nintendo? I guess, like, is is this, like, Nintendo, some, like, larger, grander corporate entity thinking um, that, no, this is sullying this, um, uh, our Pokemon brand by acknowledging and entertaining the idea of some hardcore Pokemon or more dark souls from software like you know grit your teeth uh pokemon venture i i mean uh, is it just more it's just easier to just create keep churning out content that is somehow just accessible and easy enough and pikachu laden the reason that nintendo will do uh the cease and desist orders on fan-made free games 
is something having to do with copyright law where if you don't show that you're pursuing the ownership of your own property, that it can recede into the public domain. Pokemon mm. is not in in that sort of threat, but that is like the fallback. That is the good reason why Nintendo would do this. The bad reason is that they want absolute and total control of the representation of their characters and icons, which is also understandable in, in their legal right. That being said, Nintendo has a uh, 49 or 51 percent stake in the Pokemon Company. The Pokemon Company is its own operating entity, mm. and Creatures Inc. are the developers and the creators of Pokemon. And I think there's one other company involved in that as well. But yeah, there's like a big, I mean, it's a big corporate, huh. multinational, giant world franchise with a lot of corporate interests. Uh, so somebody somewhere is is just is going like, we got a couple lawyers in back, we might as well use them. <laughs> huh, I didn't think that uh, it, yeah. it had gotten so complicated. Um. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's a beast. Um, but yeah, uh, so it's a band game. Hmm. And speaking of banned games, have you ever played uh, Red Candle games? They're a Taiwanese developer. They made a game called Devotion, and they've also made a game called Detention. Um, no, none of those ring no? a bell. Yeah, enlighten You me. would love Detention. You should play Detention. It's probably seven bucks on Steam. Okay. Uh, they're a Taiwanese developer that very, at least in Detention, very literally critiques China. Uh, and the the policy of uh, I can't remember all the names, but the very martial law that was going on in Taiwan, and is probably a very real threat and current uh, current political uh, issue in Taiwan as well. Hmm. Um, but detention was banned from all platforms globally for having uh, a comparison of the uh, the leader of China to Winnie the Pooh, which is its own. I've heard this about is its this. own. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about Xi Jinping, you use Winnie the Pooh as a stand-in because you can't critique the leaders in China, mm-hmm. not unlike the way Trump would like to not be critiqued by the media. Right. I, I think that's totally fair. Uh, so this game was banned for having a reference in a bit of environmental art that basically used the term Winnie the Pooh, not necessarily in, uh, probably, probably in reference to Xi Jinping. So this game was banned and taken off all platforms mm-hmm. until yesterday, which it was released on Good Old Games, which you may remember is run by CD Projekt Red, mm-hmm. who also just released Cyberpunk 2077. Until later that day, they took the game back. They they announced they were gonna they were gonna put it on the store, and then. Red Candle Games said, no, we're not. Because, quote, angry gamers wrote wrote into them. So there's <laughs> so there's two two likelihoods. First of all, there probably is a large Chinese market that is really mad and controls a great amount of capital that flows to the gaming ecosystem. Mm-hmm. That ex- exists. Uh, Chinese national gamers, totally. The other option is, of course, that China said, no, 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 no. We banned all this. You're not you're you're operating in Taiwan, which is China mm-hmm. from China's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't get to critique uh, the political leaders here. Uh, so, just as it was gonna come back into the public consciousness, and I really, yeah, I I mean it is the most explicit form of censorship of games that I think I've seen. Uh, yeah, in, in an important way. 
Uh, yeah. On one hand, it's unfortunate that um, you've got this. Uh, you're you're ignoring and uh, yeah, just shutting this consumer base out uh, from this content. But it's interesting to see that like even something as um, I don't so maybe frivolous as a video game, some one might say, um, is threatening and politically uh politically threatening that that it has a stake in all, somehow all of this uh geopolitical drama uh, yeah it's pretty wild <laughs> it's not something i think we could conceive of maybe even 10 years ago that no. video games could be so political and i would mm -hmm. argue devotion is not a political game and detention is a very political game and detention is the one that is allowed to exist in the world i'm almost happy that it's in this order mm -hmm. but it obviously affects the developers of these games lives who cannot sell the game that they made you know for for a couple years this is the whole business mm -hmm. here is to make games and and what that does to developers uh as a result of a giant powerful government right what do you think is is the more likely scenario and you know you're you're uh touting these two options that you know the, the government is saying you know no or that there are a you know a bastion of angry gamers that are um yeah sort of hankering down on this i think just from a business perspective that if you're a business and you're selling games and one of those markets which is valuable important and important is saying we don't want this game to exist and you shouldn't sell it then you should still sell it everywhere else mm. <laughs> uh and that the only reason you wouldn't open yourself up to other markets is because of like dangerous conspiracy level uh political action <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh if that answers the question that's my answer yeah 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 and that's that's a really um that's a pickle right to to be in as as a as a developer or as a distributor where you uh, yeah you don't hmm. and depending on how dangerous it could possibly be to to somehow distribute that content uh again would not have thought of this being a scenario for any type of uh uh video game developer distributor or anybody uh in the working in that space until um well uh until now uh and given the the um uh, how uh china continues to sort of loom and and forebode uh especially when it comes to speech it's uh yeah that's concerning uh yeah and i want to be clear that like Part of the reason China is powerful is because of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like, the facilitation of capitalism in the censorship of free speech here mm -hmm. should be very, very clear. Okay, so even in, in the idea that there are just angry gamers in China, they control so much of the market that games don't get released everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that, that includes other, other games and other franchises as well. The Chinese market for games and for just about everything now is the big one that you want to be selling to. So mm -hmm. if you can't do that, a lot of times products don't get made. And if you don't recognize that as like a fundamental flaw or dangerous or chip in the armor of, <laughs> of, of capitalism, then, you, then you're not really understanding capitalism. 
No, you're not. Ah, uh, gosh. Well, um, that is fascinating. And uh, I had no idea. I mean, well, uh, is there anything else about the content of these games that, um, yeah, make it make it interesting for um, for players to? Is it is it just the critique? Is it just the subtext, or um, are they bannable for other reasons? Or are they enjoyable? Right? Have you played these? Detention is really good, and it's the one that's still available. Definitely check out Detention. Mm -hmm. It has great subtext. It has interesting Silent Hill. I would say Silent Hill is a big influence on mm. Detention. Uh, but it's a 2D perspective. Uh, it's pretty short, maybe four hours. Uh, definitely thumbs up to Detention. Devotion, which I've played, eh, not that, not that great. <laughs> uh, but explores a lot of... It would probably be more impactful for me if I was Taiwanese... Chinese somewhere in Asia because there's a lot of exploration about the ideas of devotion to mm. um, I'm going to say older is it uh, rituals piety? and religions is it is oh okay uh, oh, so it's not just like you know family or or it's not even looking at that but it's looking at a more it's looking at yeah there, there, so in Taiwan there's actually this there was or there is this real threat of cults where people are taken in huh. and yeah cults are a big problem or were a big problem and the way that money flows within these things can like drive families to poverty while somebody is devoted to this cult and they're giving all their money away to these people and it divides the family in uh in the game devotion again not perhaps not on like certain political figure that if you're overly devoted to <laughs> you might drive your family apart i'm just saying <laughs> uh yeah yeah i mean devotion is fine it's fine it's a first person horror game it's not i was running it on a on it's yeah well yeah and i was running it on a like i'm running a, a version that you can acquire <laughs> so maybe not the best version of the game certainly one that hasn't been able to be patched and uh updated as, as you might expect from a commercially available game mm -hmm. also i'm running it on like an older pc and it you know it was always going to be chugging but uh yeah de detention though thumbs up and that's why i wanted to play devotion because i thought detention was such a good game well, now that I, the more I, I've learned something today, and uh, I, I mean, I want to go into a rabbit hole of research, but uh, I don't. It's worth I, it. Yeah, I, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Detention, devotion, Pokemon, uranium, banned games, good old games. Yeah, games. Games are interesting. Probably the most fun to uh, most fun mark market to watch. It's our sports, as we said. It last is. Time. Yeah, it is our sports, and. Um, Ugh. I mean, thankfully, we have a deeper friendship than than just, you know, talking about uh, video games or other or other types of mediums. But I was thinking the other day about the I was doom scrolling and happened upon an article that I ended up not reading, it was, but just saw a headline of a headline of, well, if uh, the pandemic has uh, obviously right, you know, splintered all of us. But when it comes to. Uh, male relationships and the ability and since its effect <laughs> on sports has been catastrophic uh what would it be like to somehow increase or uh, add you know uh, explore the different nuances of of male relationships now because we don't have this common language yeah of um sports it's no longer this equal um democratizing force that somehow everybody has 
uh, similar acumen, or at least, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's, uh, um, a, the same lexicon or diction attached to it. Uh, and I, I couldn't help but, like, well, how sad is it that we have to rely on this very, like, for many folks, like, narrow and finite, um, I don't know, book of practices to somehow relate to other men. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. I think we're both outsiders in yes. this lexicon. I think talking about professional and collegiate sports is a default for men to talk about mm -hmm. in any scenario. And it's a, I mean, it is a great, it is great and maybe the, one of the few tools men have to communicate, as you say, but uh, yeah, the removal of that, what does that do? I don't know. Does that I think it actually, I think the pandemic has opened the conversation about mental health and specifically mm -hmm. male mental health, uh, open that door a little bit because I've had conversations with people who I think would never, there's this idea of sensitivity and a femininity to thinking about the way that you feel, which is so fundamental to being human that it, it drives me nuts. And how can you not assume there's a patriarchy and why are you, why would you think that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the expression of oneself would be bad uh, in most cases uh yeah look i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything about sports uh and um yeah i don't know uh, yeah how uh, yeah how does this change everything how does this change male communication yeah i i, I mean you know it, that's the thing is that what it, uh, without that is there somehow like just a a scarcity of things to talk about right i think that's that's the that's the question and you know what do you possibly talk about when you when you don't have the thing that you don't you know that you can usually talk about and uh, politics and politics or like i mean come on your feelings right like i think you know when yeah. i it's um yeah I, that that's sort of how are you as opposed to you know how about them yankees right it's, yeah you know and i uh I don't know. It, it or it's just a, an invitation to maybe find some other medium where you can act like you know pseudo intellectually on and uh, <laughs> yeah. but and, and and I think to a degree I wonder if that's the way that I've been bonding with with lots of other people. If it if it wasn't sports, it was it was going to be I don't know like video games or it was going to be literature. And somehow we were doing this still same shadow conversation of relating to each other through this um yeah through uh very particular language but i don't know it's it maybe because sports is so fraught with toxic masculinity or can be sense with, with with toxic masculinity with patriarchy with um uh heteros you know compulsory heterosexualism or heterosexuality and um yeah it was just easier to somehow bond over books uh than 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 that but i i would i mean the funny thing is that uh Earlier this afternoon, uh, my dad had like a, I think a Buccaneers and a Lions game on, and like I, I could like I could watch it and like still understand and like, um, and talk to the to him about the game. And those are like sometimes like the few moments where I get to talk to my dad about something where yeah. I and yeah. I'm like, oh shit, like that's how sad is that? It's really sad. Right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I know, man. And we're we're the emotionally available ones, you know. Right. For, forget about like the the father son relationship that is just that or doesn't exist. I know, like as if that that's enough, right? Is for for me to be like, oh gosh, that touchdown and 
ah, oh, that fumble or something. I'm like, oh god, like, I can't believe I'm saying like I, I, I'm buying into this because I know that it'll work. Yeah. And I mean, it's fun. I mean, I just, yeah, it's fun to to care about stuff in an arbitrary way that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And to take it really seriously. That's what games are. Yeah. Yeah. I had had a chat with um, a friend, I think, a few weeks ago, and he was like, in addition to, he, he like, is is, is so, um, I don't know, he's probably thriving, and, like, he, he... he is has this like workout routine that's pretty regular. He has, um, he has like corporate coaching, all this other stuff, and he also continues to play Pokemon Go. And I was like, what? Like that's that's not useful for me. Like I don't I don't. But if Pokemon works... Go is interesting because it's like it's dissociated from the rest of the Pokemon universe in terms of gameplay and you go mm. out into the real world and there was that summer 2016 the last good uh the last of the good times mm-hmm. uh in which everybody was out and playing this game together and like being social and you know reveling in nostalgia and getting exercise in a way that I think yes. games Games don't do this very well. The other games that I think would do this kind of well, like the Just Dance games, uh, Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, right now, Wii Fit is like a hot commodity. But in general, games are like sedentary things. So when you have this walking around in the real world part of the Pokemon Go experience, I think people were really like jazzed mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. you probably get more endorphins when you're walking around in the sunshine Absolutely. than uh, sitting sitting in the back of a car playing your little Game Boy. I mean, that's a really tough nut to crack when you want to make something that is somehow like actively engaging muscles and then doing this, you know, the optimizing that, that, you know, experience. And I guess, you know, maybe this is what visual virtual reality is trying to do or any of these, um, yeah, I guess, uh, dance, dance revolution, or all those, you know, other things that you've mentioned is, you know, they make that, um, a lot that experience a lot more immersive and a lot more uh, interesting, but um, how do you how do you how do you sustain that right? And how and how does that make a, like a lot of money? I mean, those 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 moments are so few and far between. Um, yeah, and obviously Pokemon Go is fraught with like people going on private lands and like mm. people finding a dead body and like mm. when you when you're facilitating the people going out into the world all over the world, like to what level are you responsible for their safety? Mm -hmm, And like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're operating on the scale of millions of people, somebody is going to have an accident while using your product. That's just like, that's what it is. Uh, And how, I mean, in a totally new world, like where does that responsibility lie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in a world where your insurance is a corporate capitalist society (laughs) who is paying for an accident uh it becomes a really (laughs) expensive question yeah 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 i mean there's probably been so many times when um even playing the we fit or dance dance revolution right they always and they always put those disclaimers too right like you could slip on this right yeah um yeah and that was the solution for Pokemon is like whenever you open Pokemon Go mm. up now, it says like always look where you're going, stay on public land, don't don't I mean us. stuff that's very obvious mm-hmm. that maybe mitigates any sort of damages, but is like primarily there to protect the Pokemon Go company. Uh I mean obviously maybe there are children who are just 
walking around. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's totally, totally possible. And maybe that screen saves a life. And, and if that's so, then it's absolutely worth putting in the screen. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm fascinated that it's still, it's still, it's still running, right? Folks are still out there grabbing their Pokemon. Maybe they're not going outside as often as they were in the summer of 2016. I, I remember being in the passenger seat of my friend's car and we were driving around just so we could find pokemon right that that was a yep. very special summer uh for, yeah. for that reason and uh yeah I didn't uh think... it's 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 bigger now than i think mm. it was before maybe um at least by revenue uh <laughs> Yeah, they, uh, during the pandemic, so they rolled back a lot of these restrictions where to hatch a Pokemon egg, you were supposed to walk 10 kilometers for some some Pokemon. They sort of halved all of these uh, distance requirements mm. for the amount of time and space you had to walk. Uh, but they've just recently sort of rolled that back as if the pandemic has stopped. Um, which oh. for, all, for maybe for some of their markets it has, but I would say... In the U.S., obviously, the pandemic pandemic is at its worst. Uh, in the U.K., the pandemic is at its worst, and uh, I'm less familiar with the rest of the world. Uh, perhaps in perhaps in Japan, things are better. <laughs> perhaps in Japan, things are better. I don't know. They just banned any foreign travel or incoming travel. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's... any? Wait, can I come back? Hmm. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'd look into this, but and of course, like of course, I was just looking at a byline, hadn't really explored any of it, but uh, of course, with the UK and this mutation of the coronavirus, I'm sure yeah. folks are in a tizzy about well, international travel. I know that some uh, airports or the airlines are uh, requiring that for anybody from the UK who's traveling to the US, they have to quarantine or they have to have a negative test and all. Um, yeah, it's that another part of the dance where something bad happens and we have to close things up or we have to uh, throw down another uh, litany of precautions and protocols, if, if only to, yeah, be safe. But yeah, that such is the reality that we're living in right now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, maybe in a couple of years it'll be better. Maybe. Maybe. Huh. Thanks for listening to the show, listener. Hope you have a wonderful and safe uh, New Year's Eve. Hope if you celebrated Christmas, you had a wonderful Christmas. And if you didn't, I hope you enjoyed any break that it was, if it was possible. Uh, and good luck in the new year. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye.